Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And away we ao. Welcome to No Breaks, a Formula One podcast from the No Dunks Inc. Classic Factory, proudly part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Trey Kirby. We've got our local F1 expert and the second person to wear Grateful Dead gear here in the Classic Factory, Graydon Gordian. <laughs> this man is a fan of improvised music from the We're dead to Kamasi, Washington. We're talking three-hour concert. It's all, it's all, it's just jamming. It, it, no concert is too long. Yeah. The longer the jam, the longer the jam, the better. The longer the concert, only three songs. Uh, you go to a, a dead show and a Kamasi, Washington show. My first concert ever was a, was a Parliament Funkadelic concert, and they did. It was, it was kind of like, just five straight hours of music in which every once in a while you'd vaguely recognize like flashlight or nice. like, oh, this is maggot brain or something like that, right? Kind of like faded. Yeah, so. That's the good stuff. I've been We've doing also, it for years. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> I think it's hilarious your favorite concert was Parliament Funkadelic. I even knew this. My first, not it. favorite. Oh, yeah, but first, 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 first. I don't know what my favorite is. Yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll follow up uh, in the C block here. We've also got our team principal, JD, making the magic happen here in Hello. the paddock. What's up, JD? Hi, guys. Hi, guys. My first concert the cure yeah it's a great first concert that's wow. great yeah not You're, as cool as p-funk though but well much cooler than mine my first concert ever was jars of clay and michael w smith wow jars of clay music. Wow. <laughs> yeah guess that what my killer. dad was a minister that is killer that is yeah i mean that is awesome. where were you when jars of clay opened for michael w smith <laughs> Wow. Maybe you're in the Slipstream team. If you are right now joining us on YouTube, thank you so much. If you're watching them later, also cool. And if you're listening to the podcast, we love that. Thank you very much. We're here, though, to break down everything that happened at Imola over the weekend, from a wild qualification period to the first sprint race of the season to a dramatic, if not necessarily the most exciting Grand Prix on Sunday. But great, and I was back home in Chicago over the weekend watching my team who is back completely fall apart. I may have forgotten then qualifying what's technically on Friday this oh, time yeah, around. Sure. It creeps Once up you throw on in you. the sprint race, man, I'm like, is qualifying really qualifying? It's so the, it, it's it's interesting. 
I feel like this, every time we have a sprint race, this comes up, but I was talking with Eric Freeman, uh, you know, NBA blog OG the other day about qualifying specifically and like sports creep, how like every sport is just trying to get you to watch more and more and always. more of it always. And that this is really the, the thing this mostly is, it's just like now my Fridays, I've got to make time. <laughs> I've got to remember on Friday that I also have a, a an F1 thing to do because it also caught me by surprise. I saw people tweeting about it and I was like, oh. I totally blanked on this. <laughs> totally. I hate run the downgrade uh, qualifying to like practice status <laughs> for me, but like on, on a sprint weekend, it's a little bit in practice status for me where I'm like, I would like to see it, but we'll see if it, we'll see if it fits. I, I had to go to the outlet mall though. I think, I think it was Chain Bear on Twitter who threw out the idea that they restructure where that, that, you can have sprint races, but have them be like their own event. It's like maybe whatever it is at the end of Q1 or something is mm. the starting grid for the sprint race. And then qualifying is still qualifying for the actual race or something like that. I think I like that idea. I think I like the idea of like segmenting it versus sprint races just being like basically like we just automatically red flag the race 30 minutes into it or something like that, which yeah. is basically what it is today, right? So. Yeah, that, but, it seems to me that they're going to kind of keep tinkering with this stuff yeah, as time goes sure. on. Because, like, this seems a little bit more exciting, this year's uh, sprint race, perhaps. And But it is it is weird to have a qualifying that's not a qualifying. Then you're getting points for the sprint race. They want you to call it a race, not a qualifying. It is a lot of points this year. Yeah, it, it is a lot a of points difference. this year. Yeah. Uh, as for qualifying on Friday, the things I noticed, wet. Wet. Max Verstappen, P1. And five red flags. What was going on? Oh my gosh! I mean, it just was the rain. I'm not going to say it was too rainy for them to run, but it certainly was. The guys being on the edge, you know, they were just they were all over the place. It was a mess, and it caused qualifying to be quite lengthy. I think, and and honestly, it, it really did affect how people came out of it. It, it. Max obviously drove a great qualifying, and over the course of the weekend, proved to have a terrific car. But actually, coming into qualifying, the the money would have overwhelmingly been on Ferrari given the way they had performed in the wet during practice. They looked mm. to be so dominant on inters and wet tires. And it, it, it's kind of one of these things where you'll never know if that was the case because the conditions were changing so dr drastically and red flags were causing so many people to have to abort their laps and things like that. Just getting in a lap at the optimal time, there was a lot of luck involved, in which is kind of always true. Track conditions are always evolving. It's something you always have to be cognizant of. But it definitely was... Um, but it played into Red Bull's hands, set them up in a great position for that Saturday to, you know, uh, at the time, hopefully control the sprint race. So Yeah, which does bring us to Saturday. First sprint race of the season. 21 laps, I think, to set the grid for Sunday's Grand Prix. And you mentioned it, a change this season. Points now available to the top eight in the sprint race. I think it was just the top three I think that's uh, right, yeah. in the 2021 season. It's just one sprint race, but are sprint races better this year? So they're definitely better in the sense that you can follow more closely and overtaking is is more easily done. And therefore, I think just the nature of the cars and the regs this year lends itself to more exciting racing and certainly having a period where people aren't as concerned with tire management and are just going hard and there isn't considerations of pit strategy and stuff like that is is fun. My one critique or my one issue is, is are sprint races just, 
an opportunity for the anomalies that happen in qualifying to correct themselves. Because if you look at the starting grid at the beginning of the sprint race, people are all over the place. It's a hot mess. And I personally love that. Like, I think it makes for a super exciting race when you see people starting way out of position and like everybody has to figure it out or fight their way back. But then when you look at the starting grid at the at the beginning on Sunday after the sprint race, it's mostly it's people just overtaking car, you know, overtaking people. They were largely much faster right. than, you know, Carlos worked his way back up to the front, to the top four, et cetera. And so that's, that's probably my biggest criticism. I actually thought it was good and exciting and fun racing, but it's like, is it, is it actually just kind of like reestablishing the order of things? The answer is yeah. Yes, a little bit. Like yeah, you I, definitely make you know. a good point. Because, like, Sainz was one of the big gainers in this one. Went from P10 after qualifying to P4 after uh, the sprint race. And the front row ended up being all Red Bull and Ferrari, which, you know, would probably have what be most people are predicting in the first place. So, yeah, but uh, it paid off for me just watching Leclerc and Verstappen go back and forth. Oh, I think it kind of started racing. lap 17, definitely ended lap 21 with Verstappen overtaking uh, Leclerc for P1 on lap 20 after making a couple of attempts on maybe the lap 18 and 19. But he noticed, he's like, hey, those tires are going to go. I'll bide my time. A little bit of patience from Max Verstappen, something he's shown quite a bit, I feel like, in this season. I was surprised to see uh, they mentioned on the broadcast a little convoluted the way they mentioned it. The first overtake for P1 after being overtaken for P1 or something like that. Because Leclerc, yeah, had a really yeah good I think start basically, I think in all the previous sprint races, the person who led at the end of lap one actually actually won the sprint sure. race. So this is the first, and Leclerc did win at the end of lap one after a fantastic start to the sprint race. He mm-hmm. really ripped it off the line, and Max kind of blew it. I guess they claimed there was a gear shift issue, and perhaps that was the case. But it also just looked like maybe. Charles caught him sleeping a little bit and they so it's you know and to be honest at the time especially once Leclerc probably worked up a second and a half at one point it might have been up to 1.7 seconds or something like that lead I kind of thought we were just cruising for that till the end I actually didn't think that the very top of it was going to be that interesting so that was awesome as a fan to see that kind of not be the case to see you know Max biding his time a little bit being patient having a working theory of kind of how the the tires were going to evolve and, and degradation was going to evolve clearly red bull and this plays out on sunday as well just the setup of the car enabled much better tire management mm-hmm. much better so that was yeah they and they pounced and it yeah it worked so yeah i thought that was awesome the way that uh the way that it turned into a battle at the end, because I feel like a lot of the sprint races we watched last season, like you're saying, if you get to the last five laps, there's a 1.7 second gap. You're like, well, we're probably not going to be able to get close enough to stay close enough to then continue to challenge and eventually pull off an overtake, which Verstappen did. So maybe being able to follow closely and be able to follow closely for a long time is going to give us some more interesting sprint racing here. My one thing they should change is that you should get a point for fastest lap in the sprint race. Ooh, okay. It's a sprint. You're telling me you're not going to oh, reward okay. the I li- person I like it. the I like absolute it. fastest? It also, it would be interesting because, you know, almost entirely now fastest lap is, not entirely, but quite often in the race itself, right, the person who gets fastest lap is is somebody who's able to pit for mm-hmm. softs towards the end and sure. can play that game. But you really aren't going to do that here, exactly. right? You know, you aren't going to do that here. And it actually kind of changes the calculus because let's say there is a point for fastest lap. Does Ferrari 
start on mediums instead mm. instead and be like okay once the fuel has gone down and we're quicker because of fuel weight and our tires are going to be faster in lap 21 then they're going to be there you know or does I, I definitely would change i think people's strategy and i think probably changes how well at least aggressively the people out front are driving yeah. so i i don't know i'm down I mean, you know, I I say Who try. Knows? I like to I like to throw in a suggestion every once every five shows. I feel like we need. I feel like in general, I'm a fan of. It's very easy. I feel like as a sports fan, and in particular in F1, to like look at it and feel like the way we do things are kind of sacred. Like this is how it's done. And we, but when in actuality, so many of these things are very recent <laughs> inventions, <laughs> and like you don't have to go that far back in history for it to be very very different. So it's like part of me is like open for like way more experimentation and like way more weirder stuff and just having a weekend or as long as everybody's on equal terms in terms of what the experiment is then like let's just try stuff and see if it's fun I, like you know what's the harm it's one race right? yeah and that seems to be the general way they've been handling the sprint races for the past couple of seasons like we're going to introduce this thing we'll see how it goes and we'll tinker with it around the edges to see exactly we're definitely going to see more of them in the future oh, no i think doubt, there's yeah. no i think their fans debate it and there's some people who are grouchy about it and i can even be a little grouchy about it but the reality is it's like i think over the years we'll just see more it, it the only reason we're not doing more is financial right is that mm-hmm. it's costly for them it's more expensive for the teams and the additional risk of crashing it also incurs a financial cost and with the new cap you know the, the that there was a lot of complaining about how they were going to manage that and there's also concerns about, you know, like big macroeconomic mm-hmm. concerns about inflation and blah, 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 and how that's affecting their ability to pay for all this stuff. So just as long as when they get the dollars and the cents worked out and how they're going to – what financial allowances they're going to give the team when we have these, they'll do more of them for sure. You Do you ever foresee it becoming the standard race weekend, you know, like a quality on <laughs> we had like 20 Like if we had like 23 <laughs> sprint, sprint races. Nonstop. I, I don't know. I mean – if they're if, successful, if perhaps, they're re, yeah. I, if they're successful, I guess, yeah, I maybe that feels crazy right now. But in actuality, if people, if they're, if they're fun, people are watching, people are tuning in for Friday Quali, they're driving good ticket attendance. It seems to like, like F one's attitude would be like, well. <laughs> People are watching more yep. and engaging more with the sport. Let's do more of this. I don't, you know, the only question would be is at some point do the teams push back and be like, it's it's too much. too much. There's too much going on, you know. And I think you even saw a little bit of that at the start of last season where the drivers were kind of like, we don't love it. It's exciting. Surely the fans love it, but we're doing now two races every single weekend. Yeah, and 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 like you just said, it's like they already we were supposed to have six sprint races this year, and the t- we went back to three because the teams complained so much about the financial aspect. So to make it fifteen, twenty, twenty plus, I don't know. There'd have to be something more structural would have to change, I think, to enable that. But I bet you, like Stefano Domenicali and the bigwigs at F one would love that if they could pull it off. Sure. I just don't, you know, might just be a ways away. So. Did have a few nice performances on Saturday. We talked about signs, P de- P10 to P4. I thought uh, Valtteri was really good. Finished yeah. P7. He looked pretty fast, I thought. Valtteri uh, had a things. great weekend, period. Yeah. Uh, weekend. Yeah, we'll get to him a little bit later. I got some questions for you Ooh, about the battle okay. with George Russell there uh, at the end of the Grand Prix. And then McLaren finished fifth and sixth in the sprint race. They've really bounced back after I mean, a 
terrible start to the season. McLaren back? I mean, is that, it's a good <laughs> I question. Know, I don't we know. Ask I don't know. Danny no, Rich struggled I, on Sunday. Yeah, no, no, no. I, you're right. and I, I. But it is – I think at the end of the day, they were – that's probably one where uh, I was wrong. Like, I saw them at the start of the season, and I was like, I don't know how you fix this mm-hmm. fast. I, this feels like such a mess. They felt so far off the pace. They have – and don't get me wrong – they're nowhere near Red Bull or Ferrari. They're gonna they're, if the only reason they're gonna finish ahead of either of any of those cars is if somebody makes Something. a mistake, yeah. you know, which we'll talk about. But it's like, but uh, you know, beyond that, it's you know, there's they clearly have found a lot of pace. Clearly are back in a place where they're, I think, going to be able to compete for third in the championship. It seems like to me. Oh know, yeah, so. they don't seem to be that much different than Mercedes car right now. And honestly, what it, who knows what's going if on? If anything, Mercedes. the car I mean, I I guess it's an interesting question, but right now it seems like you probably would rather be driving a McLaren than you would a, a, a works Mercedes. I mean, I I think it, they seem I know Mercedes is still ahead of them in the championship and they've had it, a couple of fortunate results. Yeah, they have had a couple of fortunate results, but it does seem to me like the car is more manageable, more predictable, and they have a better grasp over what the issues are where Mercedes does seem very lost right now. Uh, 100% agree. Last question about the sprint race. Uh, we mentioned there's more points available. Top eight getting points now. I think it goes eight, si- eight seven, six, five, all the way down to yep. one point for P8. Different than uh, the last season sprint races, which is more important. I know. I think I know your your answer here. Which is more important though, the points or where your position is for the race? Like, would you would you jeopardize trying? To get more points. I mean, you do get more position, but I mean, some of these teams aren't going to really always be able to be in the points uh, in the race. Should you be prioritizing trying to pick up points in the sprint race? I think it depends. I think it depends. Like, I think if you're, I think it depends on what you want to achieve. Like, for me, if I'm stuck, you know, if I'm McLaren and I find myself fortunately, you know, I don't know. Let's say I'm stuck behind a Ferrari or a Red Bull and they're just their tires have totally gone and I'm actually in a really great position to do an overtake but it seems risky or they're being really elbows out. I probably don't do it because to be honest on the next day they're going to overtake me in the race anyway. Why am I fighting for that position? You know what I mean when it's not actually gaining me anything. So I I, I think so for me at the same time though, you know, I I do think if you're you know, so many of the things that happened on Sunday were a byproduct of what happened on the first lap on Sunday Definitely. for the top for the top people. So to me, it's like if you want to if if depending on where you are in the standings and what you're fighting for, I could see different levels of aggression in the sprint race. Well, let's get into the Grand Prix on Sunday because after uh, the sprint race, we had a front row of Max Verstappen on pole, Charles Leclerc in P2, followed by Perez and Sainz in the second row. We'll get to the results here, or the categories here in a minute, but first, let's take a look at the results. Your podium, you got Verstappen in P1. You got a Red Bull 1-2, Sergio Perez coming in P2 there. Lando Norris sneaks onto the podium. You love to see it in P3, followed by Russell, Bottas, Leclerc, Sonoda, Sebastian Vettel, Kevin Magnussen, and Lance Stroll. Not maybe the the three last point scorers you would imagine here, Vettel, Magnussen, and Stroll, uh, but an interesting... An interesting top 10 uh, in Imola. So, Graydon, first question, first category, what's your big takeaway from uh, the Imola Grand Prix? The biggest takeaway is 
the championship battle is on, yeah. right? This is uh, – everybody was far too quick to claim that Ferrari, you know, was in control. Uh, it just took one bad weekend for the Prancing Horses and one dominant weekend for Red Bull to rocket Red Bull right back confidently into second in the standings to put Max Verstappen all the way from sixth into second in the driver's standings and to just make it clear that Ferrari's going to have to keep up the pace and keep up the pressure for – all season long if they intend to bring home this title. So I think we're, which is great and super exciting because I think it suggests we're in for a really exciting season and some really great battles between Leclerc and Verstappen in particular. I think that's got to be the number one takeaway. Totally, yeah. You know, I think that's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Anything else? What, any, no, that to me is, is the you? big thing. And it, yeah. it, it real, mine kind of goes really hand in hand with that was like, this was the first time we've seen Ferrari falter at all. Yeah, It feels sure. like, I mean, uh, Verstappen has a race win already this season before Imola and as they were mentioning on the broadcast you finish a race you win a race is what it's yeah, been for he's Verstappen won every race so he's finished, far yeah. but uh the Red Bull's reliability has been an issue uh for both him and Perez so far to start the season Ferrari this wasn't like a reliability issues but you know maybe driver reliability issues with a maybe not Carlos Sainz's fault that he gets spun out by yeah, Danny Rick there I, on I don't blame lap 1 but the Leclerc stuff, he admitted, he's like, I took it past the limit. And uh, I hit that sausage curb too hard. I was very happy to hear that coming back into our, <laughs> yeah, our parlance. Yeah, the sausage curbs are But back. the question came out um, after this, like, basically Leclerc was going for the fastest lap. You know, like, he went in and he and wanted I, to try and steal that extra championship point, which might end up mattering further down the line. Was that a mistake? Should they have told him like they did the prior uh, Grand Prix? You don't need it right now. Don't worry about it. I think... So I think it's even worse than that. I think what they did is they, when they, if the goal was just to get fastest lap, they pitted at the wrong time. They should have waited to like the third to last lap so that you put a little bit more pressure on Red Bull. You know, they can't counter as quickly. And even though you give up second, by that point, he would have had a full pit stop gap between Blando behind him in fourth, and he could have just done that. I think what they, the mistake Ferrari really made was doing it so early, undercutting Perez, and then getting them so close that it tempted Leclerc to go for second. Mm -hmm. That was the thing that I think he really made the mistake was, and where they kind of mismanaged his his aggression he always has been on the he always has been a risk taker he always has been willing to like go for the gap go for the hole push the limit and he's on that edge of the limit that just going past it part and i think ferrari and matias you saw that in australia they were trying to rein him in don't push it too hard just manage it that's the message they need to be consistently telling him because his proclivity is the other direction sure. to be over aggressive so it's like and then and so, and I think the worst part in this instance is they enabled his aggression. They were like, "No, here's some fresh tires. Go for it." And I do think that's a mistake. I think they should have just like kept it cool. And if you want to do it at the very, very end, I think it probably would have been just fine. Sure. It probably would have been just fine. But it's they because then he's doing it in clear air, and he's and it's it's just a couple of laps. You got to hook up. But so I think they I think they mismanaged that. Yeah, of course. The responsibility primarily falls on Charles for sure, blowing of course, it. I'm not of trying to blame the pit wall for the mistake. But they encouraged but, it. But they, they encouraged it, yeah. Whereas they definitely shut it down. In Australia, yeah. maybe the difference is at that point he had fastest lap in the pocket already, leading the race, right? Like it's 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 different um, uh, compared to Imola where – I do trailing. get that they're, they were getting – I think they were – truth is they were getting nervous about the fact that Max – 
the points haul Max is about to take home. I think that I think it's easy to toss away that point when you feel like you're just smoking them sure. and you know you know and it, max wasn't even going to finish in australia and you're just like listen we got this but i think suddenly a little bit of pressure and your risk reward calculus starts to change very fast you know what i mean so i think they started to and that that's probably where that came from and but it it, it blew up in their face big time yeah, this was the first time to me it seemed like Ferrari and Leclerc in particular kind of just messed with the risk-reward ratio. Like you're saying, last year he had quite a few DNFs, which is why yeah. he was uh, behind signs for such a long time in the standings last year. But this year had been a pretty clean uh, Grand Prix season for Leclerc until until he took too much sausage curb. As a, I think even Lando Norris was saying that. He's like, he took a, he took a ton of curb on that one. Just fl- flew over it, spun out. I don't know what you make of Sainz's uh, GP. Pretty tough weekend for this I guy. mean, Sainz, I don't blame him for the contact with uh, Ricardo. I think that Ricardo it could have left him more space, but I think it was a racing incident and appropriately enough, it's very early on the first lap. It's really bad luck, but it is also, um, you know, Sainz... If, Sainz has just got to start finishing some races here. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, it's starting to cost them. Two DNFs in a point. row is is starting to cost them. And they, if he's just on the track, if he's just on the track, in my opinion, it's like he's probably in Australia. A he probably takes home second, looking like what the Ferrari sure. was doing. It was so dominant. He it's probably a one two in Australia. And then I would say worst case scenario, it's a three maybe four he's up there fighting for a podium place in Imola if he just keeps it on the track as well you know so I think it's it's in this instance it's like those are that's a huge points haul Mm -hmm. that for the team he's left you know he's left on the board so but I also think that in both those instances the the Australia one you could blame him more maybe but at the end of the day I think he'll figure it out I think he'll pull it together I think it'll be just fine it's it's just going to be I promise you if we get to the end of the season and that's a razor tight uh, constructors championship battle he's going to be sitting there you know festering over like kind of these, these, la- these last two so. and it's just it's just different to see with signs he's like such such a steady competitor I it's feel like where he's not like taking the- huge risks like you're saying Leclerc does and so to see him uh, struggle has been a little bit of a disappointment especially you know I mean it just I just flash back to the first race of the season a Ferrari one two and we're like Carlos, man, go easy on yourself. You finished second yeah. here, but My God. apparently he was right. Apparently that guy knows uh, what's going on inside of his own car. Yeah, I, I, I guess it, I, I think he'll figure it out. I think he just needs like we're still early. We've just been like talking still about early. One, for one two race, months, still one early. race where he just he put he'll get back on the podium. He'll do whatever, and he'll he'll be just fine. I, I really do believe that. All right, the signs and Leclerc incidents, probably the most impactful moments, all considered from the Grand Prix, but what do you think was the best moment in Imola? Gosh, it's a good, that's a good question. Um, you know, for me, it's probably, you know, nothing really came of it. I loved the Botas hunting Russell stretch yeah. at the end. You know, not it didn't end up producing kind of like the dramatic overtake. I think maybe we were, a, a lot of people were hoping for, but it was just good. It was just good, tense stuff. Um, that was my question for you. That's like lap 57, basically. Botas tracks down Russell. He's about within a second, I would say, yeah, for yeah, the yeah. majority of these laps. Are you surprised that Russell was holding him off? Was like, was this good defending from George Russell? It didn't look like he was doing anything crazy or anything out of the ordinary with regards to his drive. I thought though that I, I feel thought like Montez was going to pass him for sure. I feel like, uh, first of all, 
Russell deserves a lot of credit for a great drive last mm-hmm. week, and especially where you look at where Lewis ended up. You know, it's like he clearly uh, is doing a really great job with the car uh, and deserves a lot of credit. However, I feel like it mostly was just Botas probably running out of tire life and just not having the pace to sure. really do it. I think we found that it was harder to overtake at Imola than people thought and that it just it just it just wasn't nearly as easy as we expected it to be. The only really, you know, really significant overtake we saw was, you know, how hard maybe Leclerc had a time holding off Perez right after he right. came out of the pits, but his tires were cold as opposed to Perez being on warmed up, whatever. It's like, so I think that that's, you know, it's not really relevant in that, in this instance. So I, I think it's more that it's just like, man, overtaking was tough. tough. And you saw that with the DRS train and all those people in the midfield <laughs> yeah. that just stuck there going round and round and round, unable to do anything. It just, that, that, and I feel like he's just Botas is just a victim of that. Yeah, because he had the pace. Just didn't have enough. Quite. He had the pace. Yeah. Same thing with Leclerc initially too. Leclerc had the pace over Perez. He was he was he would have been lapping faster if he was in clear air in front of him. But he didn't have the pace to overtake him, and and that's that. You know what I mean? So, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that Botas versus Russell moment. That was really cool, especially considering the way last season ended and yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, the team's yeah, changing. Yeah, the dr- and their and their cra- and their crash, their big yeah. crash at Imola last year, right? This is where they yeah. had that really rough <laughs> crash, right? Where like they were like flicking each other off or whatever, or, like smacking <laughs> each other's helmets or being whatever. like so. They're yeah. <clears throat> they're like so. I definitely was wondering where they're gonna. I kind of want it. I like Russell and all, but I kind of wanted Valtteri to nick him. I wanted I him to get him. I wanted I him to too. get him. I was like, I'm a Merkhead, but I was like, come yeah, on. Yeah, I was like, get Valtteri. him, get him, get him. I, no, I thought it would have been fun. Yeah. I, that's, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, you're probably right to say this race wasn't just full of like memorable moments. Like, great, I mean, Verstappen you know? and Perez were way ahead. And then yeah. Lando was like so far ahead of Russell. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, the top three, not a lot of action. And I even thought that you mentioned the DRS train. That was one of the moments I liked. It was probably around lap 15, still a little wet. I think most everybody's still on intermediates at that point. And it was like P9 through maybe P14 were all like DRS in the DRS zone, but they wouldn't open the DRS. And they're like, when are we getting DRS? When are we opening this thing? And I was like, nope, you're just all driving around in a circle. And by the time they opened it, people were, had started to space out. It wasn't there. It definitely, I was one of the people on Twitter being like, when the heck are they gonna do this? They're being way too conservative about this. You know, there was a- That's just the wetness factor. It was just a wetness factor because in order to use the DRS, you have to come off the racing line, right, to overtake. So you're coming off the dry the line. Dry part. So then you're now you're now you're entering, you're passing, and you're entering the braking zone, slamming on your brakes on a wet line. And it is it is more dangerous. I get it, but it seemed like everybody agreed. Drivers, fans, pit walls. Only people who who were happy about that, I guess, were seemingly the race directors and and Red Bull. Yeah. Because had it come out yeah. sooner, it. Perez would have been vulner- more vulnerable had it come out sooner. That's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah. The other little uh, moment that I liked, not technically a moment from the race, but immediately after the race, the cooldown room. Oh, the cooldown room is back. Where Verstappen, baby. Perez, and Norris are just hanging out, like watching replays. The cooldown room is so good it was awesome man is that is that a thing yeah that, so that it's a, a pr- I, I think it's a i mean 
I guess somebody in the Slipstream team, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, they got rid of the cooldown room during COVID. Sure. Initially, because you weren't having people in this, like, small room unmasked together or whatever. But now, I guess, you know, we're at a place where there's enough mm-hmm. comfort level and, and things that it's back. And it used to be great. I mean, because this also, this cooldown room moment was... I would say fairly cordial and kind of undramatic. It's like it's like Lando and you know it's two teammates and Lando and they're all Shooting fine. The breeze, but basically. like but like think if you had had a cool down room in some of the races at the end of last season oh, yeah. with Lewis and Max or something standing there drinking water together watching highlights. I, there's times in the past where it is incredibly tense, which sure, makes for I'm great sure, television. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome television. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure the tense stuff is <laughs> awesome because I was loving like these three guys just oh, chilling, I mean, it's talking fun. about the race. I thought it was hilarious when Lando's like, hey, do I have some water? Yeah, back there behind your helmet. Just grab some. All <laughs> yeah. right. Lando's maybe never been in a cool down room before because he's point. maybe he maybe I, when was his first podium was probably during covid so it's probably it probably pre precedes you know i mean this might be his first i don't know is that right i think it is but it's like long long, but it's it's from like 2019 and before they used to always do this and it's great and i'm very glad it's back yeah because it's it was so cool i was like is is this a mistake like did they leave the cameras on on accident and we're getting behind the scenes footage from these guys one of the best a very okay F1 is such like a weird, massive global spectacle. You know, this like incredibly insane sports, so much money and so much everything. But actually, it does this great job of balancing like intimacy and like getting these very personal moments, whether it's like you're actually hearing the radio debates between the the racing engineer and the driver, or you're getting the cool down room or whatever. They do a great job of like zooming you in to these people's lives at these like very critical moments. So I like, I'm a fan. I'm glad it's back. Yeah. I love like hearing like Lando talk about seeing Leclerc, you know, basically yeah. go off and then be like, well, I saw how much curb he took. I was like, I'm taking no curve for the yeah. rest here. Just going to finish the race. They don't, that and a so lot cool. of these things, they're watching it for the first time. They're like seeing highlights. They're seeing a crash. They're seeing an overtake. You know, they haven't, they don't know that this is what's happened, right? Mm-hmm. They don't, I mean, they have a loose sense. Maybe the racing engineer has probably tells Perez, Leclerc has spun out. He's not behind you anymore. You're cool, cool you know, mm-hmm. like, just manage your tires, play it safe, or something like that. Like, Perez is aware nobody's breathing down his neck anymore, but, like, he Who didn't see exactly. it. He didn't know. He doesn't, you know what I mean? So they're watching it together, which is fun. Yeah, and apparently you can watch TV as well when you're driving. I thought that was crazy. Oh, the land, I was like, yeah, I was watching that. him in the DRS train while I was driving. The guy's going 200 miles an hour in the rain, just what watching they, TV. What they know, what drivers notice is, is incredible. It's, like, superhuman. There's a great anecdote about Ayrton Senna that I think is from Monaco. I think it's from Monaco, but he, there's a blind corner. I believe it's in Monaco. And Senna was coming around the blind corner, you know, full speed ahead. And on the far side of the corner, a guy had crashed and he slows up coming around the corner and misses him. Mm -hmm. And so he's able to dodge him, but he couldn't see the guy. And they asked him after the race how did you know to slow up and he was like i saw in the crowd everybody was looking around the corner not looking at me so i knew something must have happened on the far side and i'm like 
how do you possibly that's, that's notice that? Like, <laughs> it's like I, I mean, like, uh, notice where the fans are looking as you're, like, at the pace you're doing. I an insane like sensory ability. Sure, I think is, uh, uh, I think yeah. Brundle had something similar when what, maybe it was like a was it Gasly that had a crash at Spa not too long ago, and he was just he just came in in the wrong line, but then he disappeared on his crash, and Brundle was like, I could just tell he was coming in on the wrong line, so it was, oh, yeah, it was yeah, gonna yeah. be a crash, like wild stuff. Brundle Brundle has great insights into that about just like off the cuff sometimes or just like a race where he just knows. He just knows. You know, it's incredible. All right. Our next category, most surprising, most disappointing. I'm going to start this one, Graydon. What is going on with Lewis Hamilton? (sighs) Honestly, somebody tweeted us a meme this week and said, this is Mercedes this year. And it was LeBron and Westbrook on the Lakers. My heart hurt. (laughs) Because I couldn't deny it. Yeah, there's the like, truth to that. That's right. a tough one. I mean, it's a, it's a t- In the Grand Prix, Hamilton starts P14, finishes P13, out of the points, and could not pass Pierre Gasly. Could not. Like, he was on no. him for laps. Rosberg was laughing at him, basically. Like, yeah, Rosberg was... the 20th was... time he's tried to pass him. <laughs> Can't get it done. Rosberg's schadenfreude was turned up yeah, to 11. He was, he was really him. taking a lot of joy in how much Hamilton was But then you away. contrast that with Russell. P4, he holds off Bottas at the end there. You've got Toto apologizing to Lewis Hamilton, saying, we gave you an undrivable car. Why? What's so much different between these two cars? How has Russell been able to figure it out? And, like, is Hamilton just taking a gap year here? Is he just going to finish the races and not go uh, all out? It's it's just a weird season. It's definitely... Okay, there's a lot to unpack it here, right? Because they are going into these races with different setups sometimes, radically different setups as they try to fin- figure out the car. Lewis is getting stuck in some tough spots. I think one thing that is proving true of, of the Mercedes is, is that some cars are better at following close than others. Some cars have the aerodynamics that allow them to follow closely. I actually think that this is, brief aside, an advantage that Red Bull has over Ferrari. I think the Red Bull is slightly better at following closely mm. than the Ferrari is, and that's why you've seen Ferrari, even when it seems to have raw pace, struggle to overtake a little sure. bit. But long story short, the the Merc is clearly a car that struggles, and... and uh, Russell is finding himself in space, whether he's creating that on purpose or whatever, and Lewis is finding himself stuck behind people. That was really what Lewis was complaining about, where he got fed back in behind Russell, where he said, you put me in a tough position. It wasn't like, oh, you put me in a tough position where I have to battle with my... Uh, with my teammate, it was you put me in a tough position because you stuck me right behind a car, and now I'm in its dirty air, and I and it's and it's killing me. You know, so that was he clarified that after the race. At least that's what he claimed his comment was about. But I, the other thing, somebody said on on Twitter, and I I can't remember who it was, but I think there's some there's some validity to this. What if Russell is just really used to driving? awful cars and Lewis is not he's been driving yeah, yeah, like yeah. total like beaters sure. for his entire F1 career and he knows how to muscle and make a car work and Lewis is used to driving like the perfectly calibrated yeah. machines and optimizing that and doesn't know how to handle something that's kind of a piece of crap like and and but Russell is like Oh, this is way better than my old car. <laughs> like, I, and like, and just think, and just I has mean, pace and has confidence that he didn't used to have. I don't think that's totally out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> Russell's got to be like, thinking, this is the best car I've ever had. It's the this best, is the best still chance better. I've ever had. I'm yeah. taking advantage of it. Whereas Hamilton is probably like, this is the worst car I've had in ten years. I'm not even anywhere close to the championship. 
I'm just and gonna it, try and bring it in with my neon green. And it probably affects your psycho your psychology, right? Your ability to put it on the put it on the limit, how aggressively you're willing to take corners, how aggressively you're willing to push whatever. You know, Hamilton's confidence in the car is at an all time low. Meanwhile, Russell's confidence in the car might be at an all time high. Probably so. You know, like and I think that I do think that they're that's uh, gonna affect their how they're out there. Some of it's also just a little bit of luck. You yeah. know, I think Hamilton has gotten unlucky with some pit window stuff and some this Safety and that. Cars. It's just a, you know, but it's at a certain point, the luck argument that like Russell's getting lucky, I think that is getting weaker and weaker and weaker with each succeeding race Definitely. as Russell continues to beat him. And especially also when Russell's so clearly outperforming him in qualifying. Yeah. Which is really yeah. a place where you'd expect to be a little bit more of an equalizer. Yeah, they speech. just, uh, Hamilton in particular and Mercedes in general just don't seem to be the same this year. And Hamilton, I don't know, just been a weird, it's been a weird start to the year. It's I guess really Toto weird. is saying they've got some ideas for how to fix their ride height, which may be implemented at Miami, but they're going to need a serious change if they want to finish third. You know, like if they want like, yeah, to continue I, I, to finish third in the constructors. I don't know that it looks like they have the third fastest car on the grid. Yeah, I, agree. I, I don't think that's what it looks like. I think they're getting not lucky, but they're they've been smart. They've managed races well, at least for the guy in the front. You know, for Russell, and mm-hmm. they've they've managed to take advantage of others' mistakes. But actually, there's huge points hauls that they don't have if you're not seeing. Yet again, big errors from the top two teams. Like, yet again, it's like Russell is finishing two places higher than he would have finished if just the best team mm-hmm. brings all its cars home. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's like, uh, yet again, right? So I think that's... that's so well, honestly, yeah. good for George Russell to, oh. to have, like, the worst luck for the beginning of his career, and now <laughs> right. he's getting some better luck than Lewis I mean, Hamilton. Listen, he's, he's crushing it. I think he's clearly shown... You know, there were uh, he actually had a lot of haters kind of coming out of these last couple of years who thought, oh, you know, everybody has anointed him the golden boy in the next generation, and he's clearly going to be the next Merc driver. But what has he done to earn that? Mm-hmm. He's good on Saturdays, but he he really underperforms on Sundays. Yada yada yada. Even in a Williams, he had a lot of critics. I think he's clearly silencing those critics. Like he's he's been terrific. You know, I, I, yeah, he's I th- been great. I think it's just been probably a little bit overlooked considering Mercedes has had such a down year. So tough one for Ferrari, tough one for Mercedes. Yep. Any other surprises or disappointments? I mean, Yuki looked great. Mm-hmm. I thought a great race from Yuki Tsunoda, right? This is, in general, like a good year from Yuki. I think like he's showing more maturity. Like he's not, I mean, my wife loves to joke about like, like if she sees, literally we're driving down the highway and somebody's like wrecked or pulled over on the side of the road. She's like, oh, look, it's Yuki. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's like she like there there. It's she's always like it's he. It just feels like it was a fifty fifty shot at him even bringing the car home yeah. last year. And this year, it's he. I think he just seems more mature. He seems competitive. He's coming a long way. I, it feels as if he he does have a place on the grid for years to come, and that's great. And his performance. In a car that hasn't looked that good, the Alpha Tauri right. has not looked that good. For him to finish where he did, great work, man. Good yeah, stuff. I mean, he's ahead of Pierre Gasly in in an Alpha Tauri as well. P12 on the season for Yuki, P13 for Pierre so far. I mean, 
Pierce had a solid season. He just hasn't done anything yeah. spectacular so far. But I think the improvement from Yuki is definitely more notable. They're under. I, they, in their minds, are probably underperforming. Yeah. But the car is just not there. I don't know if I put it on the drivers quite. Sure. Bit, but the car, you know, it, they're definitely had hoped to be a solid step ahead of a bunch of other midfield teams and it's just it just hasn't come together for him quite that way i'd say also a little disappointing fernando alonso another dnf retired at lap seven yeah he's looked fast i feel like every single weekend and had quite a few uh, bad luck incidents go his way but uh yeah for sure tough one for fernando moving on Got to give out our awards, Graydon. We've been trying to figure out a way to make a trophy out of, like, a can of beans or a gigantic bean. Full beans driver of the day. Who you got? (sighs) Driver of the weekend, if you will. Full beans driver. Who went full beans all out out there? I'm going to say... I'm going to give it to George Russell. I'm going to give oh. it to George Russell. I mean, I feel like ah, this is a tough one this week because I feel like nobody is does like is like a, has an insane just over the top race. It's not Max to me. It, maybe it is for you. For me, I, I it's like he just is so in control the whole time. You know what I mean? That it's yep. it's it's like it, it, it's a it's an easy race for him. It's like sure. an easy race. You know, it's like but who I think ha- had to really like like dig in and 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 put in a great drive oh you know who actually i could also say hmm. sebastian vettel sure sebastian vettel uh, maybe eight like but in a car that has looked awful and he has, has also not looked very uh, yeah it has so looked awful and honestly to bounce back with a p8 that's a great drive so vettel said himself that there's races he's won or races he's been on the podium but in different cars mm-hmm. where he raced a much worse race than he did this past Sunday. So I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel. That's not bad. P8 for Vettel, P10 for Lance Stroll. First points of the season, I think, for uh, Aston Martin, who's uh, had a tough start. No and doubt. interestingly enough, now is, I believe this is the earliest in the season, or they were saying, I think that, I think I read this, that all 10 teams have scored points. Huh. That that this is this is the earliest into a season ever that no team is left without a point. No shutouts. No shut. Yeah. What about yourself? Who do you who who's your? Yeah, I thought it was kind of hard to choose, so I, I went for Stapp, and he he, he yeah, was on pole it. after quali. He won the sprint race. He won the Grand Prix. Yeah. He won the fastest lap. But the real reason I gave it to him is because uh, when they won, uh, when he won uh, the Grand Prix, you heard Horner on the radio. Max points. Max points. Do you think he's saying that because maximum points? Because his name is Max. Points. Well, that's Max what I'm wondering. That's what I was wondering. Like, uh, we had Tommy points <laughs> you, with the Celtics. Oh, yeah. What do you think Max Verstappen is giving out awards for? Like, like, like it's if not he like sees... v- very, but like, v- like Stappen Bucks? <laughs> yeah, kind of like Stappen Bucks. <laughs> like, if your hat, you've got a nice bend on your hat right now. If that was a straight, if that was a straight build hat... You would get a max point for that. Mm. My favorite color is orange. I think I would get, you a, get max a max point, point for, for that. that. It's yeah. like you get like max credit. Yeah, yeah, and you can use them at the max store yeah. in Amsterdam. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. yeah, the max. I, it's fair to give it. It's fair to give it to max. I acknowledge <laughs> that. that. Yeah, that here's bend, the. Yeah. Are we getting a little? No max points. Uh, we yeah, gotta flatten the, that thing out. The, the I get. I get that. That's a super defensible, like kind of full beans order of the day. He just cleaned up all weekend. He, he cleaned up all weekend. He dominated. It's like I, there's no two ways about it, right? Almost that was almost a problem. Is like he was too good. Yeah, he was. He was a little too good. A little too max points. Let us know in the comments what other max Verstappen points would he be handing out. We're gonna take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to dinner, buddy. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Back with no breaks. Graydon, you a big Kesha fan? I I really like Kesha. Re- what? I mean, I don't I've never re- heard not this a big Kesha fan, but like Kesha. Timber's Timber's a jam. Timber's a jam. TikTok is a jam. TikTok's a jam. Okay, big. I'm not like a big fan, but like <laughs> when it comes on, am I ex- am I glad? Like I'm happy it's there. I'm happy it's come into my life. I'm glad you're my. My only problem with Kesha. Not long enough concerts. Not free form enough. <laughs> not free form enough. Like not like there's just not enough like unstructured hour long songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the two and a half hour version of TikTok yeah. is way different. But yeah. uh, I don't yeah. know if the world is ready. If you if you show up in a Kesha shirt the next time we're here, I don't know. We're canceling the show. Anyways, we got a bit of F one news these past couple of weeks. Most intriguing to me comes from news18.com. Three teams have asked the FIA to investigate the similarities between the new Ferrari Uh and the new Haas. Reminded me right away, of course, of Racing Point's pink Mercedes from a couple years back. I've even seen the Haas has been called the white Ferrari at this point. So what's the gray area here? Like... I've seen, you know, like Red Bull went over to look at Ferrari's car after the Bahrain GP. It seems like copying is allowed, but not too much copying. I mean, you certainly can... Uh, copy any component of a car that you can visibly see. Sure. You know, like that, like that's allowed. You know, um, in the sense that it's uh, it's visible. Uh, there are certain things that you know you're not allowed to share in between teams. Parts that are required that they be developed independently. And if they are too similar, um, you know, I certainly think that could raise some eyebrows. Um, at the same time. You know, Ferrari and Haas, they are their engine provider. There is some data, some information they're sharing. They're not just like in a vacuum being like, here's our engine. Here's no additional data on it. You know, they provide some, you know, some information. So I, from my vantage point, from what I've read, it's like I have no idea whether this is valid or not. Like, I honestly don't. Seems a little bit like the haters. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's like two, I think it's like, okay, Ferrari's still, there's a lot of suspicions around Ferrari after widespread accusations of cheating a few years ago. It's on the top of everybody's mind after the whole, uh, you know, racing point Mercedes thing. Also, when people get behind, they absolutely just start hurling these accusations and making people's lives hard. And it's now the stewards are checking more and now they're interrupting what you're doing and now you've got to prove all this stuff. It's just like, 
gumming up the works sure. for a team, distracting them. So uh, some of it, is it gamesmanship? Is it kind of all of the above? Yeah, yes and. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be, I don't know. We'll but I- That's the thing that I think is so funny about it is that Haas is eighth place in the Constructors' Championship. Like, they're much better than they were last year. Kevin Magnussen has been a surprise success, no doubt. P10 totally. right now in the drivers. But Mick Schumacher hasn't scored a point. It's not no. like Haas is suddenly winning every race out here. No. Competing for the best of the rest championship. They had a good like start to the race, which was surprise or start to the season, which was surprising. And now they're just a midfield team. You don't need to be going after Haas, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a little weird. I mean, part of me feels like is this the 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 hope that there'd be some blowback on Ferrari sure. instead of Haas? I, I don't even know. It does feel like the ways in which they also choose to punish these teams they have so much discretion about the way they, it's not as if i don't even know can anybody can literally anybody say oh well if they find they did x that means the punishment is y it's like they like even when ferrari was almost certainly cheating with its engine they just were like <laughs> and like don't do that again yeah. like i you know there was like it's a wrist slapper I, yeah right it's like so it's like it's what is even the penalty here i don't know so it's it is a little little weird but i guess if they think there's something there i mean i'm sure any of the teams would do this to any of the other teams it is like universally this is something i think there's nobody's above this sort of petty gamesmanship in my opinion yeah i think uh maybe some more teams should be looking at the haas and stealing some ideas mercedes what's up with your side pods where are they get some and maybe you'll be competitive but uh we'll see what comes from it at the very least we did get a great quote from Gunther Steiner oh, about this. Oh, this is... You have to work hard for envy. You get pity for free. I wish the others would be green with envy because that means we did a very good job. That's bars from Gunther Steiner. God, this guy is legend. one of the most quotable in the game. Oh my God. He is... What a joy. He is the best. What a gift. Speaking of team principles, our next piece of news is only kind of news. It's a tweet from F1 <laughs> Media, at F1 Media. All the team principles... Went out to dinner prior to the Imola GP. I got a few thoughts for you, Graydon, on this one. Yeah. First and foremost, this looks exactly like the white guys at a baseball meme. Yeah, big time. (laughs) Big time. Big energy. Every face just popping in. We're all smiling. We all got side parts. I think that's hilarious. This is not, this is like not (laughs) diversity at F1's like lead, but you know, this is your campus admissions poster where you've got a very kind of like diverse look at at life at uh, Swarthmore or something. This is not that. The only diversity you're seeing here is in what kind of collared shirt you're going to be wearing. You know, you got Zach Brown in a work shirt, Toto wearing uh, underneath McLaren, the sweater. two invites here, Andre Seidel and Zach Brown. That's because it's confusing, man. You don't know what, it which is person is which. It is Who's confusing. actually making the calls yeah. there? You'd think it's Zach with the way he yeah. talks, but apparently it's Seidel. Uh, the other thing's interesting. Uh, I like that Christian Horner and Toto Wolf are sitting Very far as apart. far away as they possibly can. Very far apart. I would maybe think about putting them on the same side. Like, maybe you would move Horner to where Gunther Steiner's sitting there. Just so they don't have to see each other at all. You know what, for me, the most notable thing about this photo is? I know what you're going to say. No pumpernickel toast. Oh, what's (laughs) something else that's missing? (laughs) It's Mike Crack. You cannot see Mike Crack in this photo. They covered him up? Because he's not there. He's not there. He should have gotten an invite. He did get an invite, apparently, and it's like something like he like didn't check his email or something <laughs> like that. I forget what it was, but he, he I, apparently he did get Come invited on. and just like didn't get the message, which I don't know how. I gotta presume they've all got each other's like numbers and can text him and be like, "Hey, 
hey, Mike, it's Stefano. Like, come to dinner. <laughs> come to dinner. <laughs> like, something. Where are you? And or even when they got there, and they're like, where's Mike? It's like, he's only 20 minutes away or something. <laughs> he's here. Call him. <laughs> yeah, call him. We, we know he's, he's there. Here. Tell him to come over. Uh, but I, mean, I guess they didn't care. Yeah, that's that's shitty for Mike Crack. Sorry. Question I got for you, Graydon. <laughs> You're out to you're out for a dinner party. Yeah. You yeah. you and yep. Taryn, you get to invite two team principals. Who are you bringing with you? Wow. Okay. Gunter Steiner. Great guy. I mean, that's like yeah. I feel like who's not bringing Gunter at this point? I feel like he's such he's good. Who? Oh, but the real question is number 2. Mike Rack. Is it Mike Rack? <laughs> Mike Rack. Yeah. Yeah. I um I mean, I'm tempted I would love to have dinner with Toto Wolf. Yeah. He'd be so fascinating to talk to. But is he the most fun person to have at dinner? That's a great question. It's, But I'm going to say Gunther and Toto. What about you? Yeah, I mean, Gunther's a kind of undeniable. Undeniable. You would want him to be there. He's just a, such a jovial guy. He's on guy. my, like, silly, like, you got th- – you could have th- – Dinner with three people from history. It's like, oh, it's MLK. <laughs> you know, Napoleon Bonaparte and Gunter Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I don't know. I, I probably would lean towards Toto as well. I would like to get um, some ginger spice stories from Christian Horner. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. And maybe Joss Capito would be fun to have yeah, around. He is really I think fun. between uh, Gunther and Joss, you'd be having uh, a raucous dinner party. Yeah, that's fun. Guys. He's in. He's in arguably a very fun one. Uh, I do agree with Christian. Like, Christian... I feel like it's high risk, high reward. He'd either be super annoying at dinner or yeah. like really great, like one on one. But it might just be the Christian Horner show. Now I got to sit there and hear you just like he would dominate the conversation. Yeah, that's for probably sure. true. Yeah, I can't even get a word in edgewise, Christian. <laughs> Come on. All right, let us know in the comments who you're having dinner with or where you would sit for uh, the team principal's dinner there in MLR. Our final piece of news is from Deadline.com. Not a racing website, Graydon. This is an entertainment website. Director Michael Mann has started pre-production on Ferrari, a biopic about Enzo Ferrari, legendary founder of the Scuderia. Going to star Adam Driver, Penelope Cruz, and Shailene Woodley, among others. No release date yet. You excited about this? You're too close. I I am excited. You know what? I am excited. First of all, Enzo is a super fascinating figure. And a really complicated figure. So I think he's a good person to do a proper bio pickup. We got like Ford versus Ferrari recently, but it didn't mm-hmm. really delve into the reality that is like Enzo's journey from like running Alfa Romeo like into starting his own company, whatever. I also, I'm a big Michael Mann fan. Man fan. I'm a man fan. Sure. Like I, I'm. He I'm, makes good movies. He no makes doubt. good movies. I'm, I'm, a, I'm in on Michael Mann stuff. So it's like, so uh, it, it, like a moody kind of. You know, kind of drawn out, you know, thing a bit like a bit like the music I love. It's like I want it long, <laughs> I want it like structured, and like um, and just like more vibes. Yeah, Michael Mann is more vibes than plot. I feel like, and that's you know, is that what this movie needs? I don't know, but I think it'll be good. What about you, JD? You're a Michael Mann fan. I am a fan of some of his movies. Yes, I, I'm not gonna not across the board. Not across the board. I'm looking at the list here. Heat. Ali, Heat. I didn't like. I'll, Heat's I, good. Heat is overrated. It's the prince of movies. 
slightly overrated. It gets a lot of. It's the prince of movies. The, you're, the, are you doing that? You're doing that just to try to like pick a fight with me because that one time we debated this at that bar. Oh yeah, it's just ever so slightly ridiculous. Overrated. But like the Insider is one of the greatest movies. The Insider is awesome. Yeah, the Insider is awesome. Insider. And I'm excited for this. I'll definitely watch. wait. What else is what else is on the list? Okay, so we got oh uh, Tokyo Vice is up is is a series. Yeah, I'm episode one. Uh, I couldn't make it through the episode. To oh, be honest. I'm liking it. Oh uh, well, maybe I, I should give it another try. It's it gets more. There's it's it's less uh, people, cops, and gangsters looking sullen and more plot driven as it goes on. Okay, you know, All which right. is the I'll beginning. Give it, I'll is give for, it a you know, go. There's so. so much out there though, Graydon. Oh, what else we got? Uh, we got Ali. Collateral was good. Collateral. Collateral was great. is That's good. Cool. Yeah. One of a, one of the best yeah. time crews. Uh, Last of the Mohicans, which I saw when it came out, but I don't really remember. I don't remember hating it. Yeah. Uh, you must love that. That's a long movie. I do. I do like Last of the Mohicans. You know what I tried to rewatch recently is his version of Miami Vice. His like the, the new. Yeah. Like yeah. The, I, and, I rem, and I I actually was not as into it as I remember. No. I, I was like kind of bored. I was like, pretty stylish. Ah, this isn't. But he was the original yeah, Miami Vice totally. guy, right? Yeah, yes, he so. was the original one. But I'm talking about the Jamie Foxx, uh, Colin right. Farrell yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried watching it again recently, and I was just like, Whoa. no, it's it's a little. In the beginning, I'm kind of like, ah, this is this doesn't pick up fast enough. Yeah. For what I needed. Yeah. Which I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. I think I think the Ferrari movie is going to be great. Yeah, I was that's, disappointed that's... with Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, I didn't love it, but uh, I'll watch this one for oh. sure. But you're mentioning that he's a, uh, a complicated character. I know that uh, both Penelope Cruz and Shailene Woodley are playing like a wife and a mistress. Seems like we'll be getting a lot of off the track stuff. Uh, I, I would, I would, I would expect as much, and probably like a lot of like tragedy and death. I think the thing we for, like early in his career, like he, a lot of people who drove for Enzo, like die. It, like while working for him, so it's like a very high Could be a drama. Stressful one. Yeah, there's like a lot of that's there. I mean, it's back in the days where motorsport is just shockingly dangerous. <laughs> just like, just like, You're like telling me the safety regulations like, were not snuff in the yeah, 1950s. It's like 20 guys start the season and like and like and like assuredly it's four of them are going to yeah. lose their life or something like that. Yeah. How about F1 movies? What would you recommend? Actually, all that we've already uh, had released here. I mean, Senna's a big one. I Senna's, watched Senna. Senna's the first it, movie I ever got from Netflix back when it was DVDs. I signed up for first Netflix. Ever. Well, everybody's like Senna is one of the one of the all time great sports documentaries. It is like a good the one. best one since Hoop Dreams. I feel like it was pitched at the time. Signed up, haven't left since. But now I would love to rewatch it since I actually know what's going Haven't on. Lips. Are you still getting the DVDs sent to you? Or <laughs> yeah, like... yeah I'm, I'm stuck with DVDs. Yeah, wow, yeah respect. Yeah. I, I, um, I, uh, I actually kept the Senna, you know, because you can return it when you uh, want to. I've had oh, it yeah, for 15 years it. at this point. I mean, I actually thought that Rush was a pretty good, good movie. It was yeah. like a fun, like as far as like a fun Hollywood watch. It's like it's good. It's fun. I think it's a fairly good portrayal of the sport mm -hmm. you know what I mean that's that's the other one that jumps out at me I don't know what are the other is Talladega Nights do you can it's not an F1 it's movie. not an F1 it's more movie. of an NASCAR movie it's with a, a F1 yeah. component with yeah a... Days of Thunder that, that's NASCAR I think. no it is NASCAR but yeah. doesn't he start he's an open wheel racer I think he oh, has okay. to learn his yeah. ways in NASCAR right I don't know if he's coming from F1 exactly, but he comes from like an an open wheel racing circuit, I think. So 
or like series. So. And then I know F1 you've been F1. trying to convince me uh, to rewatch Driven, starring Ronnie Sunshine Bass from Remember the Titans and Sylvester Stallone. Oh, uh, right. That's a movie I saw in the theater. Haven't seen it since. I think I've I think never seen this movie. It's is why I'm, I want to watch it. I suspect it's great. Well, we've got the summer break coming up in not too long for the Formula One season. Maybe, Maybe we'll watch we'll... some of these movies and have some laughs. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. Sounds good. We're going to take one more break. When we get back, we're going to Miami. Benvenido a Miami. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back with no breaks, going to take a quick look at the standings heading into the Miami Grand Prix. Here's the driver's standing. Up top still, Charles Leclerc, 86 points. He's followed now by Max Verstappen in P2. And then it goes Perez, Russell, Sainz, Norris, Hamilton, Bottas, Ocon, and Kevin Magnussen down there in 10th with 15 points. As for the constructor standings, Red Bull has now moved into second place behind Ferrari. We got Mercedes in P3, followed by McLaren, Alfa Romeo, Alpine, Alphatari, Haas, Aston Martin, and Williams bringing in the rear there at number 10. But like you said, Graydon, everybody's got points uh, so far this season. So a little bit more parity, no doubt. Got another break in the action, though, before Miami. Why so many stops and starts at the beginning of the Formula One season? I feel like it's like the NBA season up until Christmas, you know. We're not trying to jam all the games in here. Yeah, I feel like we're we're we haven't hit our stride with like the hyper regional stuff. Like we go back to Europe at some point in the season, and then we just hang around Europe for a sure. long time. And I feel like that's when they like hammer in a bunch of back to back to backs. But now we're going. We're in Australia. We're in you know like Italy. Italy. We're in the U.S. It's a big. It's big. It's big travel. That's so. right. That's right. Things kick off in Florida on May sixth. That's next Friday, a week from Friday, with practice, followed by qualifying on the 7th and the big race on the 8th. I think it's an afternoon race, which will be a little bit different for us, like getting the late game on a football schedule. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's a little, it's 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 nice, and it isn't, because, I mean, we're living dad life nowadays. That's right, that's right. <laughs> All three of us are here. 
sometimes it's nice to just like wake up and like bang it out so then totally. you get a full day of other stuff it's like okay I've done my sportsing for today <laughs> you know like I a midday versus, sportsing is a lot tougher like, versus, no doubt like I versus the last two weekends I mean I've, I like everybody else here I've been watching the NBA playoffs uh-huh. and it does like you know it obliterates your whole day. Oh yeah, I, lo- I love it. <laughs> like, love an eight AM start. The girls are watching uh, Octonauts downstairs, yeah, so totally. I can just partake. The in kids, the I get up, Formula I feed one. them, I put them back down. The race starts. I watch it, and then they're waking up from their nap, and then it's like it's like nothing ever happened. I know they're only a few months old, but who do they seem to be fans of so far? <laughs> I mean, we're we're a bit. Ba- we as we call them in my house, Charles Leclerc, Baby Monaco. They're Baby Monaco. They're babies. <laughs> they're babies in support of Baby Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> they're babies for baby Monica. We're raising them Ferrari. We're raising them Ferrari fans from day one. They do. I'm sure they have no idea what's going on. They're babies, but they do they stare at the babies. TV. When it, they do stare at the. Oh, they like screens. That's crazy. Yeah, about it's your amazing. It's, uh, have you heard about this? Yeah. yeah. So we got a new track going to uh, Miami for the first time ever. It's impossible to predict, but what are you expecting uh, down in Miami? I don't know. This is a tough one. It it seems like this actually this course it's it's it doesn't feel like it's very extreme in any direction like from the research yeah. i was doing I, I obviously it there's a bit of like the caveat is like i don't know we don't know who knows <laughs> you know like I, they, I, but they're they're barely even done building it right so it's there but i i i suspect we'll see you know a ferrari and red bull fighting again at the front you know it 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 does feel like one thing that happened in imola is we had such a just one practice session before mm-hmm. qualifying that really affected the setup here. We'll see, I think a lot more tinkering, a lot more changing of setups over the course of the weekend. It makes it a little bit harder to predict, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I do expect if there's no issues, we're likely in any given race. You're looking at Leclerc and Verstappen as the overwhelming mm-hmm. favorites to finish one, two in either order. I think they're just clearly the, the class of the grid right now and I think there's no reason to suggest that somebody else is going to compete with them for those spots well that's interesting because one of my questions was going to be should we start seeing like major upgrades coming soon this is only the second race in four weeks so theoretically a little bit more time to work on the cars and develop stuff and obviously you're getting a whole bunch more track time now that we're five races into the season or whatever it may be. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I know that Mercedes, like we were saying earlier, they have ideas for at least what they want to do. But when are we going to start seeing, you know, kind of the second version of the cars that started the year? Well, this weekend is, you're probably right. At least some of them, Mercedes included, have communicated that they want to bring some serious mm-hmm. upgrades this weekend. So, you're you're absolutely right. And we just don't know how those are going to affect things, especially for Merck, who has acknowledged that the data they're getting from the wind tunnel is proving really inapplicable to on-track conditions. So they are having a really hard time with these leaps forward. So, but, I mean, have we, we've maybe already seen upgrades out of the McLaren make True. huge strides. I, I don't know. That That's a tough... I think the only thing we could say is, is that's absolutely right. But do I expect at this point in the season any upgrade to mean that you're now meaningfully competing with Red Bull and Ferrari, I would be shocked at Probably that. Probably not. I would be shocked at that. All right. Well, it does seem that the Miami GP is trying to compete specifically with Monaco because one thing that caught my eye on the internet uh, with regards to the Miami Grand Prix is that they're building a fake marina <laughs> for the course. They've just got boats sitting here waiting for water to be put in here. on the inside of the track here. I mean, obviously... 
it's going to be an event, right? Like my, the Miami GP is going yeah. to be a crazy sort of party atmosphere. Skeets was mentioning on the show today that like if the if the Heat finish off the Hawks, they will likely have home playoff games sometime next week. Apparently, the Florida Panthers are good at hockey and they might be doing sure. some stuff that as well. That could easily be true. I don't know if they <laughs> if you have a lot of crossover if, between NHL and Formula One fans. Who knows? Uh, but that was funny to me to see them building a fake marina. When you're in Florida, in you Finland, know, it's, they probably it's easy have to find water. There. In huh? Finland, they probably have overlap there. A lot That's of a great point. F1 fans, a lot That's of Finnish a great hockey point. fans. That's probably the the hotbed of hockey yep. F1 crossover. I, the, the The fake marina thing is a little silly to me. I probably wouldn't have done that if I was designing it in my way. In my, like, like, wouldn't be my had, first thought. If you had gone back and said, great, and design an F1 track in Miami, I wouldn't have said, we're putting in a we're fake putting in a marina. We're putting in a fake marina. Aren't you on a beach? I feel like the, the times I've been to Miami, when I've had a blast, always do. Oh, yeah. I... You drive around, it does feel like there's boats and marinas everywhere. Like, putting the track somewhere where you just drove past part of a marina felt doable but i agree but i don't know so i guess we shall see how it all plays out and i'm interested to see i remember before uh the united states grand prix in austin last year like they had so many activations we had so oh much social gosh. media content this is they were bringing in everybody i imagine it will be even more so i think uh, so i think this will be very star-studded I, miami brings them out celebs and things like that way more than austin does right and i i think it'll be um, I mean, this this event was sold out. The race was sold out instantly, for all intents and purposes, as best as as best as I can tell. It's 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 the toughest ticket in town, right? And and mm-hmm. I think it will be very cool in that sense. It'll be very exciting. But it's um, I mean, it's, it's just great. I mean, it's great to have a race. I hope that I always thought. I'm just really interested to see how it works out. I thought having it around the football stadium was kind of a peculiar spot mm-hmm. for it, but apparently, I mean, what I'm, you know, everybody's talking about what a lovely job they've done kind of, you know, figuring out how to make it all work and making a good experience. So, I guess we'll see how fans experience are and, you know, Hopefully it's a great race. Yeah, I guess it's uh, easier to build a fake marina than a fake stadium. So you build it by the real stadium. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, 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 yeah. I guess you can't, uh, is anybody going to be, I wish they had like gone through the stadium or something. They're going around yeah. the stadium. Yeah. There's no way to go into the stadium. No, I don't We'll see. My, I'm excited. My one prediction is that somehow Pitbull is going to be involved. I don't know how. Uh, yeah, maybe he'll be yeah, some yeah. sort of a flag waver, but he's Mr. 305 and Mr. Worldwide, which is like perfect you for know Formula I, One in Miami. So you know what I'm actually – okay, the, the thing I wish they had done, and this probably almost certainly would violate some sort of like F1 safety standard. So throw that out for a second and imagine <laughs> okay, that, yeah, that yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. care about the health and well-being of the drivers. They uh, – I was watching – I didn't see the whole race, but I guess uh, IndyCar was in Nashville this past weekend, and they started on the bridge coming over the river there. Like, that Mm -hmm. was the starting line, and they're kind of racing across the bridge and into town or something, and it was very beautiful. And I had thought they should have built part of the track so that you were out over the water. That'd be cool. Like, if you were, like, racing across the bay. Now... That is a catastrophic idea if somebody <laughs> crashes on that part yeah, of the track and it's incredibly dangerous, almost certainly not allowed. But, I mean... But can you imagine? But it would be, it would be so cool looking. <laughs> yeah. It would be so cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I mean what, are we, vibes, what are we concerned about here? Being yep. safe or being cool? 
It's hard to tell sometimes. But uh, yeah, Mark Pipple down and maybe I was just thinking Pipple. Bring Kesha. Bring Kesha. Kesha. As well. I Why think not? honestly, when there's one, the other's not far behind. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You got anything else, Graydon, about Imola, Miami? Maybe going to a team no. principal's dinner. No, but party in the city where the heat is on. I'm excited. <laughs> I'll be bumping it all two weeks because we're going to take a little break here yeah. until uh, until the Miami GP comes back. But that's it for us today. You can follow Graydon on Twitter at Mr. Gordian. Graydon, you're a basketball fan first and foremost. Which NBA team has impressed you the most through the first round? Wow. I mean, I think the Celtics. I mean, they're, I mean, I mean, sweeping the net. No, uh, people thought that maybe it was going to be a long series. They looked they look terrific, right? Yeah. They look like they can actually win the title, which I don't know if I believed coming into the postseason. They do. They look like they could. you got to be pulling for Derek White a little bit. I'm, I'm a huge, and I love that he's getting some minutes. Being, you know, it's I, I appreciate seeing him out there. MA, plus, also MA Udoka is yep. also Spurs guy, so, you know, keep it in the fam. Love that. Meanwhile, Suns looking a little vulnerable. Are you are you an anti Suns guy? No, with, uh, not I mean, not. Duncan versus I feel Nash like that. Yeah, that rivalry is real, but I feel like that's like this Suns team. Like, what is They're like? Different. Yeah, it's not this. Yeah, I like Devin Booker. It's like if yeah, I could play cool. like anyone, I'd play like Devin Booker. Uh, I see some similarities in your game. Wow, that's that's not, not many. true. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's, it's all basketball. That's <laughs> obviously a lie. Yeah, yeah. I, I shoot. Yeah, I pass. you shoot. You dribble. You pass. Uh, yeah, totally. You move like, like you've got a pulled hamstring as well. <laughs> but if you want some more basketball talk, follow No Dunks on social media at No Dunks Inc. Anywhere and everywhere on the internet: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, wherever. Send me and Graydon some F1 emails at no dunks at theathletic.com. And you can subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash no dunks to get the best sports writing on planet Earth and all of our podcasts ad free as well. No Dunks is back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern on the No Dunks YouTube channel to break down some pivotal game fives and to see if we're going to get another playoff game down here at the Fortress. Would you go to game six? Ooh, I'm down. Yeah. I mean, the Fortress to be there. In, in just a, a place <laughs> to, where to defend so, the fortress, to defend the fortress it shakes, <laughs> right? But does it fall? No. We shall see. We'll be tuned in tonight. We'll be tuned into the Miami GP, uh, and we'll be talking about all of that kind of stuff because we can't stop talking. Clipper Bros! You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Stay speedy, people. Vroom, vroom. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 